1: You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, Episode 45, Subtitled Sci-Fi. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Dave, and we're having a discussion about non-English speaking international programming, subtitled Sci-Fi. Because I'll tell you, watching international TV has never been easier, especially because of the direction that Netflix has been going, not just this year, but in the past three or four years, Dave, don't you think?
0: Uh, I do. And when you see the success, really, I should say enormous success of shows like Dark that you're going to mention in a few minutes, that Netflix is paying attention and they're going to continue to invest money in international sci-fi shows that are going to be available in the U.S. market. So, yeah, it's 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 really a great time.
1: I mean, even without taking into account non-science fiction shows like Spain's Elite, which Netflix recently reported, had 20 million viewers in its first month. <laughs> so it's like, if that's like four weeks, four episodes, that's five million each, and that's for a subtitled show. So what it boils down to is that It doesn't matter what the language is, is great writing is great writing and great actors are great actors. And I think a lot of these shows share that in common.
0: Yeah. And Netflix does make it relatively easy for American viewers because most of the shows give you a plethora of options. And generally speaking, I go for the original audio in whatever language the show is recorded in and then English subtitles. As do I. I've tried it the other way, English audio and it generally is just not as satisfying. So but whatever you desire, whatever works for you. Yeah, they give you both options. Yep, yep. So all right. Well, the first show I'm going to talk about is a show that then I think a lot of listeners probably have seen. It's been on Netflix for a while and it's the Danish science fiction show The Rain which dropped in May of 2018, eight episodes. It has been renewed for a second season, and it is the post-apocalyptic story of a man-made virus that runs amok. And, and, and again, we've seen this before and it, it all comes back to how do they handle it? If it's just that, that's not enough.
1: Right. And, and the rain is something we discussed on this podcast as a show topic as is dark, that's going to be on my list. But then the other ones that we are going to talk about are ones we haven't mentioned before, but yeah, the rain was just such a fun show that I, one of the few on this list that I watched beginning to end all eight episodes.
0: Right now, if you don't know rain, this man-made virus is carried by rainfall and it wipes out the majority of the human race in Scandinavia. And we don't really get a sense of what's going on in the rest of the world. The series begins when a scientist puts his wife, son, and daughter in a bunker that he clearly had pre-prepared to wait out the storm that almost as if he knew eventually would occur. Now, the brother and sister eventually have to leave the bunker. They join a small group of survivors, roughly their own age, but as they seek food and shelter— They've got to avoid the still dangerous rain. So we see all sorts of issues, even down to stepping in a puddle and the water seeping into the shoe that can be just as dangerous as rain falling on an unprotected uh, piece of
1: skin. Oh, yeah. Gruesome. <laughs> right. Right.
0: But as they're on their journey to safety, we start to learn about a conspiracy that's taking place at the highest level. Some people are no longer who we thought they were. And the brother and sister, we learn that their father is at the epicenter of all of this. And having to come to terms with who their father is, what their father's done, everything they've been through, how they've grown, it's just really a compelling story it really is about the people one of the things that i've said many times as you know that i love about the hundred is the youth of the characters and how they've been placed in this situation and despite their age
1: well not to mention that you have to admire greatly the skill of the young actors and when you see them at this level of acting skill At such a young age, it really makes it that much more impressive. Right.
0: So this is The Rain. It's on Netflix. It's a Danish show. Eight
1: episodes. Check it out. Season two coming soon. (laughs) And also a show that's been renewed for season two and also one that we covered on this podcast is Dark, like we mentioned. This one's from Germany. And I think it's interesting. We should note that all six of our examples, the three from Dave and the three from me, are from different countries which I think is really cool that we didn't duplicate any of them. I did notice that. So uh, this one's on from Germany. It has 10 episodes. It was released on December 1st of 2017 and has been renewed. And I think that we might be seeing season two soon. It has been a little while now. And we have some little hints on social media that filming may be coming to a close Very soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you and I were talking a few minutes ago about whether or not we should say anything. And there has been a piece of information that slipped out. One of the actors
1: mentioned accidentally,
0: (laughs) accidentally on purpose. We don't know. We haven't been able to verify it. Let's just say. 2019
1: (laughs) I'm going to really go out on a limb with that. It might be warm (laughs) when it comes out. It might be warm. So yeah, it was weird when this first show first came out, the promo tricked me into thinking that it was a horror show originally with its focus on a missing child. And I thought it was going to be basically a German stranger things. The poster has a, a picture of one of the characters looking into a cave. There's a lot of talk about this missing child and, And you think, okay, so this is going to be a horror show and it's going to be a bunch of teenagers you know, walking through the woods and being scared and getting picked off one by one. But no, (laughs) it actually tells the tale across multiple generations of a town that's situated near a nuclear power plant. And as it turns out, a mysterious event has opened sort of a bridge across time inside this cave where the children disappeared. If you go one way in the tunnel inside the cave you end up 33 years in the past go the other way and you're 33 years in the future and you can even double that and go back 33 years farther i mean it basically has cycles like ripples in a pond and these specific time periods are the only places you can time travel to but again once that time travel element revealed itself and this was such a joy to watch thinking it was going to be one thing and then finding out there's time travel involved chills went down my spine and boy, did it pay off over the course of the 10 episodes, the complexity of the causality loops. And this person being that person's parent, that was just their childhood friend. I mean, it was just like so deliciously complex, uh, ended up being in my top three time travel shows of all time.
0: All right. And then seeing the same character at different points in time and, how they found characters that physically looked like each other was amazing, but it really was about the characters, which was what drew my wife into it. Surprisingly enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, I almost feel like I'm going to have to rewatch this before season two comes out because of the level of complexity it achieves, not only in the time travel, but just the intricacies of the family relationships across generations and there are revenge plots that through time travel cause the very problems that they're trying to solve in this ontological paradox of bootstrapping again and again. And it's just got a lot of drama to it besides the sci-fi elements of it too. Like, why is this person kind of crazy? Why is that person a little bit wounded in either physically or mentally? And the kids become really at the heart of it. And even just their teenage relationships. I know there's one character in particular that's in love with another character and the jealousy that comes about from it being unrequited is what causes him to perhaps get wrapped up in some of the conspiracy that seems to be underlying the cause of this whole catastrophe that reaches across time. So, so many great things to recommend about this show. This is one of my favorite shows, not just international shows, but shows full stop that i've ever seen so highly recommend it okay
0: and that's high praise coming from michael for sure
1: (laughs) yeah all
0: right well well let's stick with time travel for a few minutes okay (laughs) and the spanish series el ministerio del tiempo Ah, ministry of time (laughs) and three seasons 34 episodes which began
1: in 2015 is this the one that people accused timeless of ripping off Yes, it is.
0: (laughs) And I understand where they're coming from, but mm, not really. Okay. so so what we've got here is a secret Spanish government entity that guards and maintains the doors of time so that these are literally doors that open to different points in the past and to prevent time jumping. And, of course, altering history, that's how this government entity came into being. Because, as we all know, that if you can go to the past, knowing what you know in the future, you can Matthew Kellogg your way to (laughs) untold riches. A little continuum uh, illusion there. (laughs) Yes. So we've got three officers. Julian is a 21st century paramedic. Amelia is a late 19th century university student, and she's some sort of a pioneer for women's rights. At the time, she's one of the only women in her college classes. And then Alonzo, who is a highly experienced 16th century soldier. Now, obviously, Amelia and Alonzo have to cope with life and technology in the 21st century. Well, Julian at least has the benefit of history. So that's something that's, that's fascinating as we go along.
1: Okay. So Amelia might seem like a Lucy character with her two male companions, but the fact that they come from different time periods, I think really sets it apart from timeless.
0: Yes, it does. Because you could argue, you know, you mentioned Lucy and Amelia's a you know history student as well. And then, of course, we've got the soldier. So, yeah, I, I get that. But... <laughs> The time machine in Timeless, I think, is what kind of sets it apart. Here we've got these doors and these apparently fixed points in time. So the team responds to a particular time. So, for instance, in episode one, they travel to 1808 to prevent a guerrilla captain from being killed obviously because he was going to be important to history moving forward in episode 2 they travel to 1588 to ensure that some guy boards a particular ship again for the same reason but the characters are instantly likable it's you know again if you're into time travel it's got that element but i what i particularly like is the fact as i, I said that they've got to cope with 21st century sensibilities changes you know for instance alonzo's from the 16th century imagine how he views the role
1: of a woman yeah exactly it's a different dynamic right
0: so el ministerio del tiempo it's on netflix three seasons 34 episodes if you've got the time i think you'll be happy you checked it out
1: all right very cool Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back after this interlude to talk more about our favorite subtitled sci-fi on Netflix. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. All right, from Spain, we'll head over to Brazil. And 3% is this show that I'm going to be talking about. And this is a Brazilian dystopia series created by Pedro Aguilera, developed from a 2009 pilot. So it was in existence for a while before they actually produced it. Um, It's the first Portuguese-language Netflix original series and the second non-English production. Some people credit 3% for setting the stage for Netflix to keep doing this with shows like dark and and beyond. So this was one of the first ones that really became popular even in an English speaking audience. So it has a one season that consisted of eight episodes in November, 2016. Then season two with 10 episodes came out last April. And then a third season is on the way and will be released later this year. So this is one I plan on checking out. I haven't seen it yet, but definitely, uh, caught my eye in my research because this series is set in an unspecified future when 20 year old individuals of the impoverished inland have the single opportunity to complete something called the process and advance to the affluence of the distant offshore society. Think somewhere along the lines of the hunger games, but the prize is you get to live with the uh, hoity toity on an island whereas everyone else has to still tough it out on the mainland. So while most of the unsuccessful candidates are simply eliminated, some fail to survive, and that leads to this 3% number, which is the number of candidates that succeed after the trials of the process.
0: Right. Now, you mentioned the Hunger Games. This is sort of like Jeopardy (laughs) meets the Hunger Games. What do you mean by? (laughs) Well, it's not necessarily
1: a physical challenge. Yeah, that's true. That gets them. Have you seen this?
0: I've seen a few of
1: them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because each step of the process is like a challenge of intelligence or cleverness, supposedly testing their viability. I know there's one where they have to put a bunch of cubes together and this will somehow show that they can be a contributing citizen in the offshore society. So i don 't know if the test has something beyond that, because, as it turns out, as we quickly learn, many of the candidates have this secret that usually involves a false identity or a stolen registration that they use to become part of the process, and even the people who are running the tests have secrets that they're that they share throughout the season as well. so the hero, at least in the season one i 'm not sure about the future seasons, but seems to be this character named fernando who is succeeding in the process despite being in a wheelchair and other drama centers around the relationships that fernando has with the other people some of the people who are a little bit more conniving and there's also a mole or perhaps moles plural from a revolutionary group known as the cause that is seeking to break down this whole process and and make the offshore society accountable for their treatment of the people who go through the process, as well as those in offshore that are trying to qualify for this against all odds to begin with. So sounds like a really cool show. Did you enjoy the parts that you saw?
0: I I did. And I plan to get back to it at some point.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely, definitely the trailer that's out there really caught my eye. uh, Especially the character of Fernando seems like a really cool guy to follow
0: all right so for my third show i'm going to go with a french science fiction arguably dystopia six episodes transfers and with the popularity of travelers which is a time travel show that deals with consciousness transfer this seemed like a natural for me to gravitate towards and though it's not time travel it is consciousness transfer so what we've got we're in the near future. The technology of transferring a consciousness from one body into that of another body has been perfected. But after several years of availability, the government realizes that there's a downside and outlaws it. We, we see that there are negative responses, violent responses. So, you know, if you've already done a transfer, you're allowed to stay, but. Moving forward, no, it's illegal. So we've got this paramilitary organization called BATI, B A T I, and I forget what it stands for. Something in French. (laughs) Yeah, but they track down illegal transfers. And this group has really become quite intrusive. They conduct random public ID checks, and it doesn't seem like a dystopia, but when you see scenes, where body just comes in and they just stop everybody and you got to go through, and then of course you have the scene where somebody realizes what's happening, they take off running and
1: get shot for their troubles.
0: <laughs> they get exactly. Well, let me
1: ask you this: Is the transfer obliterating the consciousness of the person that are being transferred into, or how does that work? Yes. Well, cabinet maker Florian drowns during a family
0: vacation. And when he wakes from a coma five years later, he discovers that his wife has pulled some strings to have his consciousness transferred into the body of a body officer who was shot in the line of duty. Oh, how ironic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that is a huge part of the series because, number one, he's not only disoriented because when he went into the coma, this technology didn't exist.
1: Oh, very cool.
0: So now he's got to cope with that, but he also has to pretend to be a body officer and resume duties that are aimed to catch transfers (laughs) like like himself. himself. (laughs) Wow. So, you know, we we see him try to reestablish a relationship with his wife, which is really more on her end Mm -hmm. because he sees this strange body. And, you know, we have, a you know, an early scene when, you know, his wife invites him into her bed. And even though for her, she's looking at another man because she orchestrated all this. I guess she's had time to get comfortable with the idea, but he's freaked out by it. As you might imagine, they have a child. So how does he work back into their life so that he can see his child? Obviously, he can't tell the child the truth. But it's really fascinating. His female partner had a relationship with him before. And of course, she wants to restart it because she just thinks it's her old partner who's now recovered from being shot in the line of duty. And it's not time travel like travelers, but it is the whole idea of this consciousness transfer and the dystopian elements, I think are even more frightening than consciousness transfer for me. But transfers, six episodes, Netflix, it's French. So you can
1: uh <laughs> I feel like the French really like the uh idea of people coming back and trying to reforge relationships. They they had one that I was going to put on the list called Revenants. Oh yeah, sure. Which the returned is based on, the American right. version. Yep. Where people just inexplicably return from the dead <laughs> after Varying amounts of having been dead. So similar thematically to that one. So, but I didn't choose that one. I chose one that's a little bit more recent because it really caught my eye when I was doing my research and I'm like, you know, who would have enjoyed this is my stepdaughter who is into Asian cultures and has watched a lot of K dramas, which is what they call Korean dramas, more soap opery in nature, those, those shows, but they're hugely popular. And Netflix is really smart to have tapped into that culture And this one comes from Korea's TVN network. It's called memories of the Alhambra. And it's one of the highest rated Korean cable shows ever. And it does fall in the K drama category, but it does have some sci-fi elements as well. And what was unique about it being on Netflix is it didn't drop all at once the way most Netflix shows do. Basically what they did is as each episode would air in Korea An hour later, it showed up on Netflix internationally, including the U S but the 16 episodes aired on both Saturday and Sunday. So between December 1st, 2018 and January 20th, 2019, it was finished. So it took half as much time as it would normally take to get a 16 episode season out, uh, because of it airing on Saturday and Sunday. So really kind of unique for Netflix and a unique delivery. And I'm sure that contributed to its success, but I just was really caught by the premise because it's so much fun. It's dramatic. It's got a romance involved in it between the two main characters and it has gaming. So those of you who are into role-playing games, this is part of that. If you're into AR games like Pokemon go, like I am, then this fits into that category as well. Because the premise is, after receiving an email regarding a groundbreaking new AR game about medieval battles centered around the Castle Alhambra in Spain, Yu Jin Wu, the CEO of an investment company that specializes in optical devices, specifically this contact lens that acts as a wearable interface, so it already works as a computer that you wear in your eye so that you can see the the screen uh, just by looking out into the augmented reality version of of where you are. He can use this AR game with the technology that already exists. So he travels to Granada, Spain to meet the creator of this game, who's like a 17 year old kid. That part was interesting. I also thought it was interesting, Dave, that this is a Korean show and it takes place entirely in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. So I think they really wanted to use the Alhambra castle as the center of their medieval style of game. And, and that didn't really fit with the Korean background. So when uh, he gets to Granada, uh, Mr. Yu finds that the developer is missing. And instead he meets the sister Jung Hee Ju, the owner of a hostel, that the young programmer was known to stay in. He actually doesn't know it's his sister at first, and in fact that's a great discovery that happens at the end of the first episode. But this hostel is filthy. It's run down, and certainly a man of Jinwoo's wealth is not used to staying in a hostel. And uh he spends his first night trying to figure out this game rather than stay in his sixth floor no elevator <laughs> apartment that he's got. But You know, he finds that this AR game is impressively realistic with sword battles taking place in the game planted right in the real world where a statue comes off of an existing fountain lands on a real car that's parked in the street. And in his eye, he sees it as the statue is crushing the car when in real life, of course, the car is completely fine, but this interface has kind of superimposed the game on top of his actual existence He sees things like experience points, HP, weapon durability, going from level one to level two, which is what he mostly concentrates on doing in the first episode. All the rest of it. So much fun. And he realizes that he could make millions of this. And of course, the core of the conflict of the show is that his rivals and the reason why the game developer is missing has something to do with others that want this technology for themselves. So there's definitely financial rewards. There might be other rewards as well. But I think what really makes this a genre show is that as the series goes on and the couple of this CEO and the woman running the hostel, they start to get entangled in a mysterious incident. And the border between the real world and the AR world begins to blur a little bit. And you end up with this kind of magic realism uh, coming out where, where it's not just about the game and the tech. It's also about the fantasy And wanting to improve your life and that kind of thing. I think it's just really a a nice escapist show that people will enjoy.
0: Well, number one, I don't know how I missed this because, trust me, I spend (laughs) hours with my remote control
1: and Netflix going through. Yeah, you've been diving deep into all kinds of shows.
0: But but the the other thing is that it it sort of sounds as if it might have a Ready Player One kind of vibe to it.
1: For sure. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I know you, you've been doing things like Babylon Berlin and stuff that's not even genre on Netflix. So, so yeah, there's a lot of great fare out there. And I guess that's what our point is in doing this podcast guys is that there's a lot of stuff that's not English and if you can get absorbed in subtitles and that's the thing, you start watching a subtitled show, you forget that you're reading after a while. Yes. You know, so we just want to do our part in, in, you know, doing the same thing that Netflix is doing and proselytizing for these international shows. But our listeners also did their part and gave us a lot of great contributions, some wonderful conversation going on, on the Facebook group. And we'll start with Elisa. She mentioned dark. She thought rain was decent. The one you mentioned, Dave, then there's the French version of return that we mentioned. She thought that was fantastic. And then Elisa also brought up kingdom, which sounds really cool. It's a horror piece, but it's zombie apocalypse in sort of a period setting, which I think sounds really cool from Korea. Yeah, Faith also loves the Korean dramas. She brought up black and Michael also thought the kingdom was wonderful. And he, he brought up another couple Korean movies as well. The Asian contingent really started getting going on, on the Facebook group. Casey mentioned 3%, which we brought up as well. He said the second season was not as good as the first. Then Linda brought up the Swedish version of Real Humans, the original, the one that humans in the UK is based on that we've talked about a number of times on this podcast. And David brought up Dark, 3%. And then although it's not subtitled, he also mentioned Australia's Glitch. But David and Linda also expressed their appreciation for this discussion topic. So I thought that was kind of fun. And Linda especially liked the guidance that the discussion provided for some of the Asian properties out there, because, you know, some of them are very nominally science fiction and more K-drama-like, more romantic, like the one I mentioned earlier in the podcast. So thank you to everyone who participated in the discussion, because I really think it does a lot to raise the awareness for people looking for international viewpoints of science fiction right speaking of that what's next up on the podcast that's going to tie into this topic a little bit
0: well in honor of our discussion today mike we're going to take a look at a spanish language series coming with subtitles to netflix siempre bruja or always a witch and the tagline a young 17th century witch time travels (laughs) that's the key word (laughs) okay we're in To the future to save the man she loves, but first must adjust to present-day Cartagena and defeat a dark rival.
1: Yes, we're cautiously optimistic about this show. We haven't started watching it yet, but we're going to dive deep in it and bring it back to you. So we can't wait to hear about that. But that's going to be it for this episode of Sci-Fi Fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US. And we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity.
0: And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you access it. Be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics on social media or shoot us an email at scififidelity at gmail.com.
1: Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Planning for your next trip?